Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, the one thing it can't tolerate is intolerance. Or it can, or the least tolerant person keeps getting amplified. Maybe we should give some horrible distraction to Chris Bassett every single start and see how he <laughs> handles it. You watch your own team so much more closely than you watch anything else in the league. Um, it's, it would literally be physically impossible not to. And welcome to episode number 270 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're working to time our ejections for maximum dramatic impact. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, <laughs> surprise, by Nick Dyka, the illustrious. Um, surprise. You continue surprise, to be surprise. the most famous person, uh, well, yeah, probably most famous person we've had on our podcast regularly. I want, anyway, Greg, I want uh, like a sandwich stamp card that I can get stamped every time I come on, um, and then after ten, maybe, maybe I wouldn't say no to a free sandwich or or some type of uh, uh, if reward this is, system. If this is not already your tenth, you get to host. Can... <laughs> oh no, no, I can't. <laughs> I, no, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, because you're responsible for the following. If you're hosting, you have to say that we're going to talk about Anthony Bass and his non-apology apology, uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, we're going to talk about the Blue Jays batters uh, scoring 20 runs and then relying on the pitchers to carry them pretty much every game since. Um, uh, we're going to highlight the guys who are doing the cool stuff. Uh, specifically three of them in the starting rotation and then a handful out of the bullpen who've really stepped up. Um, Offense-wise, we'll talk about Brandon Belt, uh, Vlad Jr., George Springer, and pretty much Bo Bichette is the one I guess we really should be talking about. Uh, we will take your questions. Uh, we're going to give a gold star to the dramatic timing of Dalton Varsho. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, that, we'll see where that takes us. Uh, so, let's start off with the unfortunate bit where it's not about baseball. It's about uh, a baseball player who still employed incredibly by the Toronto Blue Jays, um, who is kind of a behaving like a trash human being. Anthony Bass. Um, after the low-key complaining that flight attendants made his children clean up their mess on a plane, crazy talk, um, that got him so much blowback on Twitter that he ended up deleting his Twitter account. So he had to go over to Instagram to be incredibly homophobic. I, why does this happen, Nick? In in your, like, I know you're obviously not in the man's head, but, but yeah. why? <laughs> uh, I assume, you know, unfortunately, like, the views Anthony Bass holds are held up to, was it Tuesday morning? Um, in you know, in an ideal world up till Tuesday morning are unfortunately and very, you know, frighteningly seemingly more and more common in certain parts of the, the U S and, and even in Canada, I would, I would venture a guess. Uh, and yeah. And, and I think, you know, he's, he's probably has a lot to do with how he was raised and the, the life experience he has. None of that is to say that the view is okay or appropriate or not extreme. It's extremely, you know, hateful and intolerant, I think. And obviously the Blue Jays think that as well, because that's why he apologized. But, um, yeah, I mean, to, to ask why why somebody holds those views is that's you know a, a master's or a graduate level thesis um hmm. it probably has 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 a lot to do with you know how someone was raised in the places they've been and the experiences they've had um but it's not okay and i think ultimately that's the thing that is important is that it's not okay he's also not a you know he's not a, a teenager or something like he's he's old enough to to know better um than to to say something like that or to i guess it was to amplify something yeah, well, that, that said yeah, if, that if you were living under a rock in a cave uh last week and a blue jays fan um anthony bass retweeted a video that uh, voiced support for the boycotts of um target and uh bud light over their um support of uh the lgbtqia Plus, I've probably forgotten a letter because I'm not very good with that acronym. Um, community, um, essentially saying that you know we are, you know, we, we shouldn't even acknowledge that these people exist, uh, and and companies that do acknowledge that uh, people who are are gay or gender nonconforming um, should should not, you know, should not be acknowledged and and, and should be put in whatever place that is and i think that whole thing is ridiculous um and you know from a personal standpoint uh i tweeted out that you can all unfollow if you think anthony bass had any any right to say that i think i lost a whole three followers so thank you to the other 1600 of you who uh i'm sure some of you are bots but to the thousand or so people who i assume followed me at some point um but I think we get here into the, a couple of the people who objected to me said, well, you don't seem very tolerant. And it's like, okay, there is a, there's something called the tolerance paradox that I would like to point out. And that is that 
in a in a society that accepts and tolerates all kinds of different people, um, the one thing it can't tolerate is intolerance, or it can or the least tolerant person keeps getting amplified and squeezes out the concept of allowing people to be different, uh, people to have different experiences, people to have uh, to express themselves differently. Because the person who is least tolerant will tamp down on that all of the time, and it flies in the face of the freedoms of those other people. So, uh, yeah, I am intolerant of a view that says that gay people should not exist, or that trans people should not be acknowledged as real human beings, or, or as, as the people that they say that they are. Uh, yeah, I'm really intolerant of that. I will admit that. Um, I think the Blue Jays should be a heck of a lot less tolerant of it, because they can replace Anthony Bass really with with marginal effect on this team and it would send a wonderful message to all of the people who have not been heard um and who have felt left out uh and who especially in june you know pride yeah. month <laughs> also anthony bass is one of 26 people who play for the toronto blue jays major league team and i can't even venture a guess of how many people work at the stadium and in the front office Amplifying the things he amplified, that has to be isolating to, if not people on the team itself, which I would imagine it would be. I mean, there's 25 other men in there to think that they don't have relationships with gay or trans people seems statistically very unlikely. And again, beyond that, there's all the people who work for the team and at the, at the stadium. He... What he did, like, was something that I think could make his the people he works with uncomfortable, um, and that's something I think he should have thought about and considered before he said it. And it's ultimately the biggest reason it's wrong is because what you're saying, Greg, is is that you can't. Everybody should be valued intrinsically. And there's no there's no place for carving out worth based on sexual orientation or gender or any of that stuff. That's the main reason. In terms of like how he's going to now move ahead with the people that he he plays baseball with and works with, I could feel that's pretty. It could be isolating for some of them too, um, which is another reason he should have shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I work for Rogers, the parent company of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who owns the Toronto Blue Jays oh. outright. Um, so I know how the company as a whole, um, and obviously each each department within the company treats these things differently, but I know how the company as a whole treats inclusion and diversity uh, as, as, an, as part of their agenda. They mm -hmm. spend a lot of time and money trying to make sure that they are being fair and inclusive um so to have someone so public it, it, it fly right in the face of that and face very minor consequences is surprising to me um i i i feel yeah. like there you know i i don't know what the, the the corporate reaction to that was um maybe they're, they're trying to contain it by having him apologize and saying as little about it as possible but I think it is an insult to the people who are about to go to Pride Night. Um, and Anthony Bass can make an appearance on the mound, a guy who thinks that, you know, he should be allowed to say that you should be erased. This is just deeply offensive. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my hope is 
is also that like, you know, this is Pride Month. This this is a time where we this is the last story that we should be like talking about in relation to like gay and queer communities. This is this is supposed to be a time where we're like just celebrating all the people and things and organizations and parts of the community that are affiliated with gay and trans people, not one guy, you know, amplifying a boycott with weird Christian undertones. And that's, that's, that's disappointing to me too, that it's taking space and attention away from all the positive, amazing things that this month should be about. Um, yeah. And I guess I, the, the other thing I was kind of, I didn't want to cut you off, Greg, but when you're talking about the, the people who are replying to you saying it's not very tolerant of you to not accept this, that just feels to me so, um, it's, it's like, it's ignoring the world around them to say something like that. I mean, in the last five years, I can think of two mass shootings at gay bars off the top of my head, right? There was the one in Colorado more recently, and then there was one in Florida. Pulse nightclub. Yeah. Yes. Pulse. Yeah. So for somebody to just strip this down to this like weird academic philosophical idea about tolerance, it's, it's like so blind to the world around them and seeing what's happening to, to people in gay communities. I mean, we're literally, you know, just coming off a year where the world cup was fundamentally changed because there's a, it was held in a country where you're not allowed to be gay, you know, for all intents and purposes. Um, so I think these are all important things when we consider, um, what's, what we're talking about with things around like free speech and tolerance and, and things like that. People in the LGBTQ community have been and continue to be very much up against things that a lot of us aren't. And that's why having somebody on the Blue Jays enforce a viewpoint that pushes them up further against more difficult things is for me, not, not acceptable. So, yeah, um, I will extend a, an unofficial, not tongue in cheek do over to the blue Jays to still, you can DFA, uh, Anthony Bass at any time and recover some of the goodwill that you have lost. Uh, I, I am not meaning to forget or dismiss or minimize, but we do have, uh, also a week's worth of baseball to talk about. So I, th- I think we've made our, our hmm. position quite clear on it. Um, but always as feel free to tweet at us if we, you know, we were unclear (laughs) and you need (laughs) us to do more. Um, we're going to talk about baseball games, believe it or not, a bunch of them happened. And generally it went well for Toronto, (laughs) which I haven't been able to say for like, what, three, four weeks. It's been rough. Um, they scored 20 runs in Tampa, which I believe was, was just before our last podcast. Uh, since then, they've had one, two games where they've scored seven, one of which they lost, um, and uh, another one that they won. The, the offense here is really not anything um, on mm-hmm. paper versus what's happening on the field. H- how do you reconcile that in, in your head when you're watching games? Like, to me, 
it kind of is about what they said all off season, right? Where they were getting more balanced. There's more, you know, handedness variation in the lineup with Varsho and Kiermaier and, and belt. Um, yeah. And if you compare this team to the team last year, like they, they are a weaker offensive team, right? Teoscar Hernandez was a very good hitter. Lourdes Gurriel on balance was a very good hitter and they replaced them with players that weren't as good hitters as, as them. So I'm not as surprised to see them, struggling. Now there's certain people in the offense that their productions maybe have been a bit surprising. Um, we'll get to that later as I'm looking at the G chat <laughs> message you sent me. But, uh, yeah, I think this is, you know, somewhat par for the course. Um, you, you know, I'm surprised Dalton Varsho has struggled as much as he has, but this is certainly, you know, not a super unlikely outcome for someone who's played two seasons in the major leagues and, hasn't really had a, you know, in his best season, he, his WRC plus was what, like seven or eight percent above league average. He was like 107 or 108. So, um, yeah, I think this is, you know, the Jays reconstructed their roster and it's, it's a team that's going to win more three, two games and it's going to win seven, five, I think. Uh, the Jays are before today's game, and I don't think it would have changed considering it was a three-one score. Uh, the Jays were eighth in ERA and eleventh in runs scored across all of Major League Baseball. So they, believe it or not, despite all of this, this mm-hmm. really like gut-wrenching uh, futility with runners on, the Blue Jays are mm-hmm. still a top half offense. Now, obviously, a top half right. offense is not going to win you a division, especially not the AL East. No, no. Um, for context, they were fourth in baseball in runs scored last year. Yeah, so and I guess for me the the really crazy part is the number of times where the the offense in an inning will consist of single walk single or double walk infield single or like walk mm-hmm. ground rule <laughs> double walk and that's it and you're I'm like uh James and TO on Twitter um has kept track of the the utter futility of being able to hit get an extra base hit with a runner in scoring position. Like these two <laughs> things are like, like oil and water for the blue Jays. And I'm like, is that, is that a function of how they built the lineup or is it a function of some, some bad luck or is it a function of approach partially where guys are guys know that, you know, they're not going to bang out 250 home runs you know for the whole season. So they're just trying to, trying to move the line, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at, you know, again, the hitters that left versus the hitters that replaced them this year, they are hitters that don't, you know, slug or barrel the ball at the same rate as Teoscar and, and Lourdes. So so I think part of it is, it, it, you know, the single walk, ground rule double, that's that's more likely when you have a Kevin Kiermeyer and a Whit Merrifield than when you have like a Teoscar and a, and a Lourdes kind of thing. So I think part of it's that. They're, although, again, like you said, they're still tenth this year in in 11th, baseball. And, yeah. Oh, and um, slugging percentage, they're tenth. Yeah. Ah, there. You. Yeah. So uh, we will talk about though the pitching. I think is the reason why this week has gone so well because the hitting mm-hmm. has been uh, like a little bit and a, a little late. But on the season, the Jays' pitching staff has combined for nine shutouts so far, which is on pace for the best. The most number of shutouts that they've had. They are eighth in ERA. Um, specifically, there are three 
gentlemen in the rotation, Kevin Gaussman, Chris Bassett, and I didn't think we'd be saying this at the beginning of the season, Jose <laughs> Barrios, <laughs> who continued to go six-plus innings and give up one or no runs and strike out in, I mean, more so Gaussman and Bassett, shockingly, but but strike out enough people to to limit all kinds of damage. It's only usually a home run or one unfortunate inning that gets these guys, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the last turn. I mean, Alec Manoa has been an absolute write-off for the entire season, but Bassett has more than picked up that slack, and Barrios yep. is getting closer and closer to that guy that they signed to a seven-year extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's been good. They've been healthy, which has definitely helped them get to where they are because Mitch White, who's I think their first choice as a number six starter, he's been injured for most of most of the season so far. So, um, yeah, they've lived up to expectations for the most part with, you know, Alec Manoa being the only exception. Uh, and like you said, the pitching has had to hold the line because the offense hasn't been quite as dominant, uh, you know, as it was last year or even as we probably hoped it would be this year. Uh, Chris Bassett has done some crazy stuff. Complete game shutout. Uh, and then he had a, uh, he said sinus infection. Some people looking at him thought it might have been something else. <laughs> but literally to the point where he could feel his pulse pounding in his head and he took intentional pitch clock violations. He allowed no runs, I believe, in that outing. Um, he allowed, was it was it no runs last, last night? Now I'm looking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no I'm... runs last night in six and two thirds. Um, that's... While he was while he was trying to catch a plane to go see his wife, who was already in labor. Hey, congratulations to uh, to him. I I don't know if the baby has arrived yet. At game time today, they oh, okay. they had not announced that the baby had arrived. So I hope all is well there. Um, but I mean, if he do, uh, maybe we should give some horrible distraction to Chris Bassett every single start and see how he <laughs> handles it because hasn't hasn't had a negative effect on him at all so far. You know, when the season started, I thought he would be probably the pitcher most annoyed with any kind of difficulty because of how frustrated he was getting with pitch pitchcom, right? And the and the pitch clock. But he seems to be able to handle any other kind of pressure uh, <laughs> very easily. He's he steeled himself against the pitch clock, and everything else is just seems like a minor inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is. I like to bring it back is I do think it would be behoove them to, to still think about adding some pitching depth, especially on the starting side of things, because it's just so unlikely that you get through a season with five starters, you know, making their turn. It's it certainly happened and, you know, it's, it's ideal, but um, it's not that likely. So whether well, whether it's Mitch White or you know we we are in else. June and Hyunjin mm-hmm. Ryu now now is the most intriguing question mark I've ever seen coming back from a second Tommy John sur- surgery for me. Interesting. You, are you are you feeling that he might be able to give the team good innings as a starter in the second half? I that's what the question mark is. I mean, he's going to be in a position where a hundred innings is no problem. If he's, you know, if he does make it all the way back again, anything can happen with mm-hmm. Tommy John. But if he makes it all the way back to the bigs, uh, he was he is not relying on on velocity. 
uh, right? He is relying on on control. He has a long track record of being a control pitcher. It was the one thing he wasn't doing before he got hurt or when he right. got hurt, perhaps. So he's a control pitcher. Um, can he be better than Alec Manoa or Yusei Kikuchi? All mm-hmm. signs to me point to, like, th- those are the two guys he has to be better than. He doesn't have to be Kevin Gaussman, right, to right. help this rotation. He just has to be better than Yusei Kikuchi. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, to me, I would look at his, like, 2021 as as maybe, like, a, a reference for what's achievable when he comes back. And that's, like, kind of a 430, low, you know, low fours, mid fours ERA. Um, and that's not something that I think is out of the question for like Kikuchi and hopefully Manoa, if he can, you know, get things figured out. Um, we're going to need, you're going to need to wait till Josh comes back though, to, to <laughs> weigh in on that, uh, slider tilts and, uh, you know, release pointer above yeah, my pay grade. He's got the graphs. We don't have the graphs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. all right. So, uh, the bullpen though, of course you can't. You can go seven innings, and then the whole thing can fall apart on you if your bullpen is you don't have the right buttons to push. And I I often mm-hmm. talk about how many outs can you get out of your bullpen on this podcast. It's my own like mental measure of how well you're doing. This bullpen has been has been asked to get less than nine outs more often than not because of those three guys. And mm-hmm. if you can if you can get yourself into a position for less than nine outs, this bullpen will do it for you more often than not because uh, Nate Pearson, uh, rookie Nate Pearson has been incredibly, incredibly locked down good. Uh, Trevor Richards mm-hmm. has uh, given up on his, as Josh mentioned last week, on his questionable, or was it on Twitter? Anyway, he's given up on his crappy curveball and his line, uh, leaning on his incredible changeup. Eric Swanson... Misses bats. I don't. <laughs> At 94.7 mm-hmm. miles an hour, Swanson misses more bats than I've ever seen a guy who does not throw 100 miles an hour. Uh, and Jordan Romano, though he has had, had the nail biterish moments, has been able to give you three or more outs when needed. I think he's only got three blown saves. So mm-hmm. every yeah, other night, you, you, can, you can get through that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to. You know, leave Tiv Mesa off this list just just because I want to focus on those uh, those four guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've been a a very reliable back end of the bullpen. Um, yeah, I mean, you haven't even really noticed that Adam Simber and Zach Pop have have been hurt, uh, which is which is great and speaks to to how well they've all pitched. Yeah, Simber's back. Uh, he had a lousy outing and then a decent one. Um, mm-hmm. so he's, Simber's a useful tool, but I think those four yep. guys can get you through the last two to three innings, provided you don't end up in a one nothing game all the freaking time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Happening. So, <laughs> so one thing, uh, I would mention is on the nine outs thing is they have had to go, the bullpen has had to pitch fairly significant innings. Often when Alec Manoa and Yusei Kikuchi have pitched, um, and so I do think some of some of the the workload concerns are still there uh, from you know even though they they have looked good because sometimes I I see you know them warming up Yumi Garcia in the fifth inning when Kikuchi's starting and thinking oh this he's going to be gassed come August uh, so 
a little more length or, you know, maybe a, a more traditional long man uh, might might help the bullpen too, I, I would I would say. Yeah, and I, I again I think they were hoping Mitch White would, would show up to, to rescue them, but that, that doesn't seem to be on the uh, on the chart, yeah, so to speak. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where they go for those those extra arms because again they've kind of boxed themselves in in the only guy with options is Nate Pearson, and that's not the guy you want to demote. Yeah. Does does Zach Pop still have options? Uh he might. Right. I don't so, probably. For reference here, I'm just going to look it up. And interestingly, the Jays are quite low on um, the inning pitch leaders for for relievers. They're 29. Yeah, with, because most teams don't have three guys who will take you into the seventh. Yeah, or most most nights, which which the Blue Jays have not had three guys who would take you into the seventh for any extended period of time for the last. I mean, they've been a good team for the last three years and haven't had three starters who would do yeah. that. So it is a blessing. We are thankful, and we hope it continues. I, um, I was so surprised to hear that, though, because on the broadcast the other day, they were talking about how three Jays were on pace for, like, over 70 appearances and something crazy like that. Sorry, three Jays relievers were on, on pace for right. over. Yeah. And that's probably because those are the guys that John Schneider keeps tapping over and over and over again because they get the yeah. job done. Right. Yeah. Um, the offense, uh, Brandon Belt, he's, he's, he's fixed his, his eye, but you know, there's, there's a lot of walks in there, but he does not, does not seem to be, you know, that belted thing that they used to, <laughs> used to print out all the time. There was a hashtag and everything on Twitter. Uh, he has he's two home runs and 152 plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he did hit two more doubles today, uh, on this is Saturday, June third. He'd hit two more doubles today, but but yeah, no, he has looked like a more limited player than I think we were expecting to to get when when the Jays signed him, or at least the the better case outcome of of them signing him. But that's to me not entirely surprising, given that he is thirty five now. You know, bef- he had a massive power breakout in twenty twenty one, but before that, he had never hit over. I think it's 19 home runs in a season. Uh, so, yeah. We, we still weren't expecting his OBP to be 375 and his slugging to be 378. No. It seems a little soft for a guy who's playing first base for you. That's that's true. Um, I'm Again, I, this is above my pay grade, but it seems like he can get beat by velocity, especially like velocity high. Um, kind of, yeah, he seems to struggle and struggle with pitches you know 95 and above kind of thing um so yeah i'm not sure if that is contributing to his uh his struggles to hit the ball hard um or hit it out of the park but but yeah getting getting on base as much as he is it is like a nice way to kind of like cushion from the downside if if that makes sense and maybe maybe as the weather gets hotter he'll we'll start to see a few more a few more yeah. balls get out. There was an old uh, poem about Johnny Mize. It was, uh, your mm. arms are gone, your legs likewise, but your eyes, Johnny, oh, your eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the yeah. last thing left. Um, yeah. Hopefully we're not that far down the road with with uh, with Belt. Uh, yeah. Vlad, of course, has no age excuse and also no power. His last home run, 100 and something plate appearances ago, was off of a position player. 
He has eight mm-hmm. on the season. He's he's fallen well behind Bobachet and Dalton Varsho, who you were making fun of because you know not fun of. You were saying that that you know didn't have a lot of power potential. Mm-hmm. I don't know that since his his knee tweak, he has really had uh, mechanically again a lot of things go kind of funky with his swing. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be missing pitches. He usually hits. Um, in swinging through a lot. And I know, so he had the knee issue. He also had a wrist injury, I think, where yeah. well, he missed a couple games with a, yeah. with a, a wrist. So I'm not sure if what's happening to him is, is that it's, it's, it's kind of an injury thing. And, and if it is, do you, do you put him on the IL? It's, it's, it's hard to, you know, again, it's hard to know what's really going on, but yeah, this is probably the longest stretch I can remember of Vlad kind of hitting, the way he is where he it feels like when he comes up it's he's not really going to make a difference and i know he won them the game today but it was just it was just a well-placed ground ball you know down the line um yeah so i don't know what do you think greg do you think he's hurt or do you think like this is like a swing decision thing or so this will happen all the time. Josh and I will, will go and I will go, I think the guy's hurt. And Josh will go, well, you don't know that. So yeah. he, Josh isn't here. So I'll say, I don't know that. But <laughs> yeah. I I think guys play hurt, hurting, mm-hmm. right? But not injured. I think they play that way all the time. And I think that the worst judge of whether or not that's affecting their overall performance is the player. Right. Yeah. So if That's he if he realized how much he had lost in terms of, uh, and again I I don't think it's necessarily that he uh, is broken broken, but I think he's favoring something slightly. Either mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put you know doesn't want to twist a certain way. He's instinctively you know putting weight a little farther forward or or hanging back a little long right. Any of those tiny little adjustments. I don't think he's necessarily a hundred percent aware of it because it's not a conscious movement. I think yeah. those things can affect things way more than a player does. So, yes, mm-hmm. I think I think Vlad is being affected by the things that are nagging at him. Um, and I don't know if it gets better just by him, you know, playing through it, or if an, an IL stint is probably the better move. But yeah. uh, speaking about pay grade, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 hard to, to imagine that the Blue Jays seem like they have a pretty modernized operation. I would hope someone on the training staff in the front office would be making that assessment and, you know, looking at what's changed about his swing or his, you know, the strength in his wrists or his knee and things like that. Hopefully someone's looking at that and has made the determination that, you know, he's not he's not lost strength or or it's not hurting his Yeah. I I think it comes down to the fact that you you can't put a player on the injured list against his will. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's that's who got a happier. He things. hits four home. He could hit four home runs in the next week, and you know, like these things. Yeah. In in a six month season, these things turn on on such a dime, which is, I think, probably a good uh, good segue into the next guy. Oh, oh, homers in bunches. Hi, George Springer. How are you? <laughs> Three and seven games, including his fifty fourth career leadoff home run versus Justin Verlander, no less ex-teammate Justin Verlander. Uh, That puts him tied with Alfonso Soriano for second most all-time. A little little round of applause for George. I mean, it it feels like it was sort of inevitable, um, but it's still awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's looked looked really good since uh, 
he's he's gotten healthy. Um, yeah, bad virus going around. You know, I'm useless when I get sick. I can't imagine trying to play <laughs> seven games professional in seven sports. Days. Yeah, yeah. And with and I mean, and that's like three flights and sleeping in hotels and moving around. Like, yeah. But yeah, he looks he looks like he's uh, he's back to, to the George Springer we all know, which is great. You know, it's uh, it's does it's less ominous because you know when he is struggling, you're. I, I always find myself counting on my hand. I was like four more years, like. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's great to see, and uh, yeah, it looks like he'll be good for the rest of the while. season. Yeah. yeah. Well, it comes down to then. This is Bobachet's team. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's been carrying the the offense for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it seems like he's getting two hits every day. Uh, leads the team in slugging, passed uh, Matt Chapman by almost a half a win in uh, Fangraphs wins above replacement. Um, you know he, he doesn't walk, but he's only struck out fourteen percent of the time this year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Um. Just for the Tears. record, that's down from 19% in 2021 and 22% last year. Like mm-hmm. cutting cutting a third of your strikeouts off at at yeah. any point is a crazy change. Yeah, uh, this is this is a little bit of a thinking out loud. Do you think that part of his success has come from the fact that the new like shift rules have made it harder to defend against him? Because I know he doesn't. He's always gone the opposite way, but. With fielders having to now like position themselves in more standard positions, a spray hitter might be like he hits a lot of ground balls. Yeah, but he's not a are... spray hitter. He's literally an opposite field hitter. That's the crazy part about Bo Bichette. Um, I wonder. I don't know if it's a shift. I wonder if he's actually kind of grown into his strength a bit because that the, his slugging percentage is mm-hmm. you know as as higher than even twenty twenty when he was. Um, yeah, not a rookie, but when he when he was really, you know, the ball was a lot springier in 2020, if you remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I I think I I don't think he'll necessarily end the season with an OPS over 900 like he has right now. Um, but I I think Bobichet has really learned what he does well as a hitter and what he what he hasn't. Right, he's comfortable with that, and I think he's comfortable mm-hmm. where he's hitting in the lineup right now. So. Um, there was a, always a balance of aggression for him that he really, as soon as he gets too aggressive, he starts looking like ridiculous, like he did for the first half of last year, first two thirds of last year. He just just jumping out at the first pitch, and he's not really doing that all the time now. And right. that means he's picking a better pitch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard for me to comment too much. I feel like on Bo because you just see so few hitters like him, right? Like hitters that don't walk very much. And and again, until this year, he was pretty league average when it came to strikeouts. So yeah. it always felt like the ceiling was kind of limited. You know, I always kind of thought of him as like a Tim Anderson type hitter. But I mean, he's he's showing. Well, he has more power than Tim Anderson for sure. And uh, it just seems like, yeah, he might be one of those rare guys that doesn't need to walk or take a lot of pitches and can still hit, you know, three hundred. Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't look like a typical swing, so uh, yeah. it might not get typical. Tennis, they say uh, they say on the broadcast all the time. It's his it's his tennis background. Of course, like like every guy who ever played football, it's because of his his quarterback thinking. That's why he can catch well or some weird stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, I am. Uh, I'm going to leave it there for the recap. We're going to come back with your questions and uh, a gold star to hand out right after that. We'll be back in a sec. Yeah, we're back. I had to teach Nick how to take a break again and everything. It was crazy. We, there was like a whole step-by-step instruction. But we're good. we're good. We took a break. We are not broken. <laughs> and we're going to take questions from our listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, first question comes from our Patreon, which uh, y'all are welcome to message us on if you are a patron of uh, the podcast, www.patreon.com slash turfpot. Uh, you're welcome to join us there. Um, the question, uh, how soon, Michael Warner asks, how soon would you send Manoa down to the minors or on a phantom IL stint, assuming he's still on the big league roster by the time you record? If he's already been sent down... Feel free to predict when he'll be back up. <laughs> uh, so first thing is, uh, yeah, it is just sending Manoa down to the minors. He's never been optioned. So they can send him down anytime they feel like. Uh, the problem here, Nick, can you can you identify the problem with sending yeah, Manoa down? Yeah, it's what we were talking about earlier. Who are you going to replace him with? Uh, Drew Hutchinson, I think, left the organization earlier this week. He had like an opt-out and he used yep. it. Uh, Mitch White's hurt. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann is hurt. Uh, who, yeah. And most of the other guys in AAA have an ERA in AAA of around seven. I wanted to say Zach Thompson would be next up, but I don't know if Zach Thompson's an actual pitcher or just like a generic pitcher name that I'm making up. (laughs) Is that the, is that the guy they signed from the pirates to be the depth? Uh, now, now I'm going to look at Zach Thompson. I think there's a guy named Zach Thompson they got from the pirates, but, um, yeah, I think the the yeah yep. the reason you can't send Manoa down is there's not really anyone to replace him with. Well, uh, happy to know Zach Thompson isn't a name that you mash together from two names like they uh, do in in. It is not. He is he's a real person. Um, I got it right. Good. His minor league stats. Let's see if he's got some minor league stats here in 2023. Yes, uh, he is two and four with a 6.89 ERA in mm. 47 innings. Uh, he's allowed 11 home runs. Uh, he's walked 19 and struck out 31. Hmm. Yeah, Zach Thompson. Okay, that is not yeah. really the depth you were looking for. So at this point, unfortunately, Alex I take Manoa, my chances with Manoa. Yeah, he, he might turn it around. Uh, unless he proves to be actually hurt, but you certainly wouldn't need a phantom IELTS did for him. Right. Uh, next question uh, is not in that window. Next question is in this window. Um, uh, whoop, is this good? Uh Oh yeah, yeah. It was well, basically it was basically so Josh showed it. Uh, Gossman has now given up zero runs in five of his twelve starts and zero earned runs in six of twelve. And uh, Kate, Kate asks, "Is this good?" Uh, yeah, pretty fantastic. I would, I would think so. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. We give it we give it two yeah. thumbs up here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, him and Chris Bassett trying to trying to out shut out one another or something. Um, mm-hmm wild uh kevin at uh, kevin Jays four says what can the jays do to slow down the running game of their opponents and great win today it was a great win all wins yep. 
that don't involve sloppy play and, and last minute uh, everything are, uh, are great wins. Good wins. Um, yeah. So I think one thing I've learned very much this year from the pitch clock is, you know, all through my kind of like life of watching baseball, you'd hear broadcasters say people steal bases off pitchers, not off catchers. And having to watch this year with the pitch clock, I think that's become very evident to me uh, for for a lot of reasons. Like you can see the base stealers just timing the pitchers and they're taking off before the pitcher has even started their motion. And so I think, I think the way to improving uh, the running the game uh, of opponents is, is to work with the pitchers because the catchers are all major league catchers. I think like a good catcher gets the ball to second in like 1.8 seconds and a bad catcher is like, 2.1 so a, a 1.8 pop time as i recall is phenomenal um, yeah and 2.1 is really bad so so there you've got three tenths of a second in there to to work with so i think it's the pitchers that maybe shoulder more responsibility than it seems in the in this case so i have a question for you how many of the stolen additional stolen bases we've seen this year have ended up being significant oh that's that's a good question. I can say some of the Jays caught stealings have been, uh, but um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say off off the top of my head. Um, I would imagine, like anything, right? It's it's probably one of those things where it doesn't feel like a big deal, but if you zoomed out and looked at all the extra bases taken, it's got to matter to to some degree, right? Because um, people wouldn't risk it if not. There was that old. There's an old article I read from Baseball Prospectus, and it was what if Ricky Henderson had Pete in Cavilla's legs? Um, <laughs> and, and and it it the the analysis even back then because Ricky got caught a lot turned out to be yeah. um, he would still be an all time Hall of Famer if he had never really been a base stealer at all. Um, yeah, I, I just find because the Jays themselves now this isn't speaking to their opponents. I know that's what the question is about, but because the Jays are so futile with runners in scoring position that often taking second base results in a runner occupying first and maybe getting that guy to third, but without the extra base hit with someone on second with less than two outs, mm -hmm. often that runner doesn't score anyway. So it's like, well, yeah, you, you, you stole it. Yay. An extra 90 feet, yeah. but it, it did not do much. So, I mean, it's, it's nice on the stat line. I don't know if it's the end of the world. Um, a lot of times I've seen the op opponent first and third take second base with the Jays. And because they've been so good at limiting runs with runners on third, you know, limiting hits in that. Okay, yeah, in the inning with guys on second and third instead of first and third. Oh, well. So I don't know if you have to slow down the running game because everybody's kind of doing the same thing. They're timing pitchers when they know they can't throw over. Um, yeah, Blue Jays are running a lot more too. It's, I think there's one of those things where you watch your own team so much more closely than you watch any Thing else in the league um it's it would literally be physically impossible not to so it probably <laughs> it probably always feels like you know you're, you're not you're not in the red yeah. zone for for, oh, for baseball <laughs> there is there a, is there like a red zone someone option? did that uh, a couple of years ago with um with mlb.tv but i don't think it ever became uh, an official thing but it was like when when there were uh, runners in scoring position they would they would cut to a game or when the game was tied with runners on or something they would cut to a game it was kind of interesting but baseball is always a game of of like unfulfilled potential 
I'm sure you would cut lots of times and nothing would happen. They get, you know, a strikeout and it was over. Yeah. Sometimes I do think about it when the Jays have Kirk or Brandon Belt hitting just because they're so slow. It's almost like a, a guaranteed double play if if they hit a ground ball that doesn't get a hole. So that's when sometimes I think stolen bases are helpful to oh, keep, sure. keep out of double plays. Uh, Aaron Pileski asks, uh, a clutch hit in this economy? <laughs> um, yeah, well, they got one today. And and they got one insurance run out of Dalton Varsha, or one insurance hit out of Dalton Varsha last night. Um, surprise, surprise. That's all they needed. Praise the baseball gods. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the offense can round into form a little bit so there is a little bit less pressure on the pitching staff because, yeah, it would be uh, it would make me feel better as a Blue Jays fan if if that happened. Yeah, did you hear that, uh, Blue Jays? Nick isn't <laughs> feeling great. Come on, get on oh, that. Oh, no, no. Get on that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So those that concludes our questions. <laughs> uh, we will move to the gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, not fun facts. Dalton Varsho's mother-in-law succumbed to uh, arterial lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease, as it is known. So the cause is near and dear to his heart. Uh, and uh, what day was Lou Gehrig Day? Yesterday. So June June second was Lou Gehrig Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Dalton Varsho uh, put. An exclamation point on it. It's 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 kind of the equivalent of hitting a home run for the kid that's in the hospital, right? I yeah, I'd say that's a good analogy. Uh, late uh, with the Jays having only a one run lead, uh, Varsho hit a home run almost to LaGuardia Airport. <laughs> uh, <laughs> upper deck shot. Yeah, upper deck in in City Field is not a thing I see. I've seen a lot of myself, so that was pretty cool. Um, if you are interested in in also showing solidarity with his cause, there is a Lou Gehrig Day Louisville Slugger Bat autographed by Dalton Varsho and certified and all of the other things that are it's supposed to be, uh, which is currently up for a $1,610 bid on mlbcharities.auctions.mlb.com. So um, gold star to Dalton for supporting a good cause and highlighting it on, on exactly the right night to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it was one of those times when baseball felt very uh, poetic. Yeah, and if you'd like to have a piece of poetry, it would cost you at the moment one thousand six hundred twenty dollars, <laughs> which I, yeah. I I don't have for a baseball bat, but maybe maybe a listener does. You never know. Yeah, I heard on the broadcast that so basically they got a player from every team uh, who was right. connected to and touched or touched by ALS to to donate a bat, and Varsho's was uh, second highest bids. Uh, behind Mike Trout, Fair so nice. that's that's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have uh, we have casted a pod together, Nick. We've done it. We have. We, we only remains to ask you if you have a final thought. Oh yeah, my final thought is going to be also about just the the rule changes because I don't think I've really been on since. Have I been on since the season started? Possibly once, but in Probably. any case, yeah. I love the new rules. I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch, and uh, I think it's made uh, made baseball a lot more appealing. Uh, you know, so I live in Toronto, and so I go to 
I drag some friends to games who are not necessarily baseball fans, and I think they notice and appreciate the rule changes too. So I I would say, uh, so far so good. Cool. I, I feel like those the the one that I just just sticks in my craw is the automatic strike three. <laughs> With oh, like like for a pitch violation? Yeah, for a pitch clock so, violation. So Bo got called out on strikes today on the same yep. thing that's why yeah, it's sticking he, in my head right now but i yeah 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 <laughs> I, I would say i guess yeah to the one thing would be you could maybe give the umpires a little more uh room to kind of assess the situation because i actually i remember hearing you guys talk about sergio romo on a podcast yep. and basically he went out to be honored by the fans one last time in san francisco and then the umpire called a pitch clock violation on him because they were cheering and he's took his hat off or whatever uh so uh, yeah so i feel like some more leniency or like discretion on the umpire's part might be might be helpful um but yeah on on balance i would say it's been quite refreshing um I, i will sort of piggyback on the on the rule changes i am looking forward to them introducing uh the automatic strike zone that they are they are trialing just to see if if uh, umpires realize how badly they have missed some. Um, oh. There was a pitch today that just before against Vlad, just oh. before Vlad hit the double, and it was a pitch that resulted in John Schneider's ejection. On pitch, I wasn't watching the game on on live. I was watching on on uh, game day, but it looked like oh. it, it it hit him and almost hit him in the ankles and got, got called a strike. Yeah, and it was like it was wild. If we can do all this other stuff. Could we not fix the most delicate area of the game, the strike zone, which is, which has yeah. clearly delineated box that gets yeah. violated over and over again by human error? It works um, in tennis. They have it in tennis, and it seems yeah. to be fine. Yeah, I say great. having not really watched really any tennis, but <laughs> full strange. disclosure. But but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was a bad call. Yeah, that was. Vlad immediately took his time out. I think because I was yep. watching. I was yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not good. No. Um, all right. So uh, that means that uh, you are Nick Dyka at uh, Nick Dyka, and I am, uh, or was, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 270. And we will talk at you next week.